Hello, thank you for joining me today for Give Him 15. The title of today's post is Revival and Reformation, Part 3. We are discussing the concepts of revival and reformation and how they relate to God's great commissions of Mark 16, 15 to 18, and Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Each of these commissions corresponds to one of the two mandates God gave humankind through Adam and Eve in Genesis 1, 26, 7, and 8. The first of these assignments was to be fruitful and multiply. Give me more kids, God said. The second was to steward, manage, or govern the earth. You will represent my kingdom's government on this outpost of the kingdom, he told them. If you did not watch or read the first two posts or would like to reference uh, these two assignments more in more detail, you can use the links here and do so. Both of these assignments were interrupted at the fall. God temporarily lost his family and to his ambassadors on the earth. Jesus, of course, was sent to recover and restore this. When he said in Matthew 16, 18, and 19, I will build my church. The word build is oikotomeo, which means to build a family or household. In choosing this word, Jesus was saying, I've come to get the family back. That's awesome. Church is the word ecclesia, a called out assembly of people. Certainly, this is the bride and body of Christ called out of darkness, calling places ek out. So the word literally means called out. Those called out of darkness into God's light. However, at that time in history, the Greek ecclesia or ecclesia, that was the name of it, played, quote, played a central role in the political life of the city, Athens. The ecclesia had the power to nominate and elect magistrates who were responsible for administering the city's affairs and carrying out the decisions of the assembly. The ecclesia also had the authority to pass laws and to decide on issues related to foreign policy, defense, and the administration of justice. Continuing to quote from this article, in addition to its legislative powers, the Ecclesia also participated in the judicial process of Athens. The Ecclesia members would try cases involving serious crimes such as murder, and they could impose punishments. This made it an important institution for ensuring justice and upholding their rule of law in the city. The Ecclesia's powers and importance varied over time, but it remained an important part of the political landscape of Athens throughout the classical period and into the Hellenistic era. 
end quote. By choosing this word, Jesus knew all of this, and he knew to use it without applying it to this concept would be misleading. By choosing this word, ecclesia, this word, ecclesia, Jesus was saying, I've come to reestablish my family as my spiritual government on earth. Christ's other comments in this passage amplified and explained this further. He said that this ecclesia would be given his kingdom authority, keys, he said he was giving them, through which they would lock and unlock, forbid and allow. King James, bind and loose. And that the government or the gates of hell would not overpower them. Why do we say government? Well, in those times, city councils often met at the gates of their cities. To them, the gates symbolized government, determining what would enter their city physically, just as government did legally. Because of this, the gates symbolized government. Jesus stated that the spiritual authority he was giving his family would enable them to ambassadorially represent his kingdom and they would not be overcome by the government of hell. Very simple. After reversing the setbacks of the fall at the cross and reestablishing God's twofold plan, Jesus recommissioned his followers in Mark 16, 15 to 18, in Matthew 28, 18 to 20. In Mark's gospel, he told them to go and preach the good news so humans could be saved, delivered, healed, and filled with the Spirit, becoming part of God's family again. In other words, he told them, be fruitful and multiply. When this occurs in mass, it is a revival or an awakening. In Matthew 28, however, Jesus recommissioned the ecclesia regarding management of earth, telling them to disciple nations according to his teachings. As my ecclesia, he was saying, you have my authority so in my name, instruct and disciple nations back to the ways of my kingdom. When this occurs with groups and nations, it's a reformation, not complicated. Obedience to both of these mandates is absolutely essential. I'll highlight the differences between them more fully in tomorrow's post, but here are a few comparisons and differences between Mark and Matthew, revival, uh, reformation. For one, revival brings people into God's family. Reformation teaches them his ways. Number two, revival births them spiritually. Reformation trains them practically. Three, revival transforms the human heart. 
Reformation transforms the human mind, their thinking. Four, revival's fruit is internal. It takes place within us. Reformation's fruit is external. It is worked out from us. Five, revival is accomplished through preaching. That's the word Mark 16 used. Preaching, declaring is what it means. Reformation takes place through teaching, Matthew said. Six, revival creates converts. Reformation creates disciples. Seven, revival restores God's life. Reformation restores understanding and implementation of his laws, principles, and ways. Eight, revival saves individuals. Reformation saves regions, nations. Nine, revival produces God's bride, family, and worshipers. Reformation produces God's ecclesia, those who represent his kingdom, authority, and rule. As I said in Friday's post, in most revivals, believers think only of getting people saved, born again. This, of course, is essential. Mark 16, Christ's commandment, it's essential and must be the starting point. Birthing obviously precedes training. But if Matthew 28, the reforming and discipling of individuals and nations doesn't occur, the long-term fruit will be minimal and can even be lost. I mentioned on Friday the great charismatic movement of the 60s through the early 80s, which included the Jesus People Movement. That saw millions of people in America and tens of millions around the world come to Christ. It was a wonderful example of Mark 16 occurring with great momentum, a significant revival. However, there was a deficient understanding of our calling to do Matthew 28. For the most part, the minimal awareness of discipling that existed was limited to the discipling of individuals who came to Christ, not the discipling of nations, societies, and cultures. Discipling nations involves teaching, modeling, and implementing God's ways in all areas of life government, education, and all other societal institutions. It is not dictating or forcing God's laws upon people and nations, as we are accused of by some who misrepresent our words. That is not what we are teaching, but is rather teaching and modeling his ways and principles in every sector of society. Salvation, the new birth, opens the human heart and will to this, which is why revival must occur first. When people are born again, Holy Spirit writes God's laws in their hearts, making them open to and hungry for his truth possessing a strong desire to find and pursue it. Also, their conscience becomes alive, active, and wants to please God. 
when a nation experiences significant revival, the portion of the populace affected by it does not have to be forced to implement God's will and ways. They desire to do his will, to obey him. They must be taught these ways, however. Retrained. And their children must be as well. If this training and discipling do not occur, Satan attempts to counteract the revival by infusing wrong thinking, deception, ideas, philosophies into the culture. Sadly, during the Jesus movement, charismatic movement of the 70s, Christians in America did Mark 16 only. And I mentioned this on Friday as well. While millions of people were being saved, humanists, secularists, and atheists were busy doing their version of Matthew 28, discipling a nation. We saved individuals. They discipled a nation. We preached the gospel. Unbelievers taught dogmas and doctrines. We went to church. They went to our schools and universities. We gathered on Sundays. They gathered all week. We enjoyed Christian TV. They made movies, programs, and eventually took over the industry. We sang and worshiped at church. They took over the airwaves and discipled a generation with their music. The result we experienced, this is unfathomable. We experienced one of the greatest revivals in history and lost our nation. It's incomprehensible, inconceivable, yet it occurred. The generation that humanists, secularists, and atheists discipled is now in charge, governing, teaching, entertaining, and informing our nation according to their evil ways. This is the fruit of Mark 16 without Matthew 28. Revival without Reformation. We're going to change that. Let's pray. Father, you have said that this year, 2024, Reformation begins. This means revival also will go to a new and stronger level. Because you're not going to do one without the other. As your voice is on earth, we declare this. Reformation begins in 2024. Revival breaks out here and around the world in 2024. The entire North American continent, South America, Asia, Europe, Africa, Australia, the Middle East, and the islands of the sea and oceans, all will experience outpourings of Holy Spirit. As the waters cover the seas, so shall your glory cover the earth. Even as sin abounds, grace and glory will abound more. 
the King of Kings receives more of his reward this year. The creator welcomes more of his creation into his family this year. The spirit of deliverance will deliver many this year. Entire regions will be delivered and see the light of the gospel. Strongholds will melt under his fiery wrath. Youth will see his light and become volunteers in this day of his power. They will run with endurance, war with strength, speak with prophetic insight, and build with apostolic depth. They will evangelize millions and reform nations. They will wear their passion on their sleeve, manifesting love for you everywhere they go. Their revival will be a presence revival, then a power revival. They will be the Amos 9.13 generation. Plowmen will overtake reapers. They will run with fathers and mothers, demonstrate humility and walk in the fear of the Lord. They will heal the sick, open blind eyes, see extraordinary miracles, set oppressed people free and raise the dead. They will be fearless, bold, more than conquerors and not for sale. We declare these things by the inspiration of your spirit and the authority of Christ. Amen. And our decree, we decree that this hinge year opens the doors of revival and reformation. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining me. Pick up here tomorrow. Please join me again then. Thank you.